0: Today's episode and our entire season is brought to you by cufflinks.com. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today and get 30% off all Marvel products by using the code Marvel Endgame 30. If you're new to the show, you don't know about cufflinks yet, maybe. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR and just check it out. You will be amazed at the awesome products they have, and they have tons of Game of Thrones stuff, too. So go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. I am Samaritan Trant, Honorable Knight of the Kingsguard, and I wish to say hello to Sir W. Axel Foley of the DVR Podcast Network and the Podcast Winterfell. I want to wish you luck with your network. I also want to tell others on pain of death, to follow and listen to W. Axel Foley as they break down the final season of Game of Thrones. Personally, I think they're up-jumped cutthroats, nothing more. But listen to them anyway, or I will find you. Welcome back to Podcast Winterfell. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Episode 1, Season 8. Before we get to it, I just want to say a few things. That clip you heard of Ian Beatty, Sir Marin Trunt, came from my friend Jamie Stalker. I grew up making movies with him. Jamie, thank you so much, brother. I just want to tell you, if you are a new listener, we have a ton of new listeners. We do four shows a week. Initial reaction, a live fan call in tomorrow on YouTube. Then on Wednesday, we do a deep dive, me and Heath solo. And then on Friday, we get feedback. So send your feedback to podcastwinterfell at gmail.com subscribe to us pandora spotify apple acast stitcher and thank you pandora for continuing to feature us if you 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 had to do it already so hopefully you went to guestthethrone.com and the guestthethrone guys are going to be on the live call in with dj Hines, tim Hines, tomorrow uh talking about like the data points and who said this person was going to die who said this i don't think we had any deaths but i'm going to let them talk about that tomorrow Um, so subscribe to us on YouTube podcast Winterfell also tomorrow at eight o'clock Eastern, I'm going to be on top shelf fandom with Justin. So go over to YouTube top shelf fandom. And I also want to say hello to our newest patron, Laura, who's an old friend, old lost head coming on with us as a pod homie. Thank you, Laura. And welcome. And speaking of that, the man I have tonight is a guy that you got to know, on our other podcast, the West World Theory Cast. If you're a Westworld fan, you can head over there and subscribe. And he blew everybody's mind on the finale last year. <laughs> Everybody keeps on talking about it. I think A.U. Pack Mule said it's his favorite West World podcast that ever existed in the history of mankind, which yeah. is a big oh. compliment, yes. And you can hear his voice. He's right there. His name is Brett, and you're gonna hear him a lot more next season on West World Theory Cast. So subscribe. That was a lot to say.
1: How you doing, Brett? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Good to hear you, Axel. Hello, everybody. we just very excited. Still got the blood pumping from that episode.
0: Oh, man. I was just, you know, I was on the Twitter and the social media all day, having fun, um, sending out pictures and stupid stuff, and <laughs> I was just, ner- weren't you nervous all day?
1: You know, I actually found a way to distract myself. I had some friends over and uh tried to stay off the social media a little bit actually because I knew that 60 minutes thing was, you know, they're dropping a scene on 60 minutes I think oh, a couple hours later. okay. And who knows what other kind of spoilers are are going to be out there floating around. So I did find a way to kind of distract myself but yeah, man. It's just, uh, we've been waiting a year and a half for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I actually, I told, I said this on Twitter. I did a little trick. I set, I have a six year old and I was worried about him getting a bed, uh, cause he mm-hmm. likes to sneak out and crawl on the floor commando style and scare us while we're watching television. And, uh, <laughs> seriously. So I set all the clocks ahead an hour in the house and it wow. totally worked and tricked him. And he was in bed by six 30.
1: Oh, awesome! <laughs> so- six, six-
0: <laughs> yeah, six thirty my time. So, because I'm in, I'm on West Coast, um, but that worked. And what a show, man! I mean, I just let's get into it. What were your impressions? A lot of character stuff, a lot of emotional stuff, a lot of meaningful stuff. No huge battle or anything like that. Really, not a lot of White Walker stuff till the end. But what did you think, Brett?
1: <clears throat> oh, I loved it. It was uh it was like classic Game of Thrones for me. Not a, not a ton of action, but a lot of dialogue, a lot of one-on-one, you know, character moments. Um a lot of humor. Uh just a lot of that little those little moments that that I think of as kind of classic Game of Thrones. It's not always about action. And I feel like that's kind of the pace that they set in this episode.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I really appreciated that. I I didn't watch anything like you. And that's why I'm glad that you're here with me tonight. We didn't mm-hmm. watch trailers. I didn't know. And I knew, I think I knew that Danny was going to come to Winterfell at some point. There was some picture in E, an entertainment magazine or some shit. And I saw a picture and I was like, ooh. But other than that. Well, I the Raven said
1: that right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, we, yeah, so we knew that was going to happen, right? Yeah. But the way it happened was great. How did I want to talk first though? I want to get back to the no spoiler thing. How did that feel? Cause this was the first season since the first episode, really that I totally was spoiler free and I think it felt great. I wasn't waiting for anything. Everything was new to me. I took the context of it as it was being handed, and I just I – th- I it was worth it for me. How about you?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Good man. Um, I, that's, and that, tend, that tends to be how I try to go into uh, movies and shows, you know, just on principle <laughs> for me. Uh, if it's a show or a TV, uh, a movie that I know I'm going to watch, then I don't want to know anything about it. So <laughs> – just going completely trailer free and, uh, you know, just let the story be told in front of me. Yep.
0: That's the way I felt, man. I, I was really happy with it. And I, and like we were saying about the character stuff, I like that we got into an episode where things like John's lineage and mm-hmm. his pledge to the Northern people, uh, were, rate up front and center. And even though at a certain point, brands like this doesn't matter, you know, we have a bigger thing. It's funny Mm -hmm. that now (laughs) it's like, he's like the John in the John inner circle. You know what I mean? It's like, everybody knows now, but then brand there still has to be somebody who's like, wait, guys, still, you don't get it. Right. Like we're all going to die. Uh, but it does matter. What, do you, what mm-hmm. did you – what what was your take from all that stuff of the northern – I mean, it looked to me, as soon as they started talking, I was just waiting for somebody to stand up and say something and challenge John, and it ended up being
1: Little Lady Mormont. <laughs> of course. Who did it. And that was great, right? It was perfect. Yeah. It's, I love this, this question that they presented about, you know, lineage doesn't matter. We're all going to die. But it's – you know, these are human beings. You know, th- these are uh, you know, and uh, generations of of uh, you know people thinking a certain way. You know, being loyal to certain things, certain people. Of course, that matters. These these are people. So how are they going to reconcile that? It, it'll be interesting. What do you think? Uh,
0: what do you think's gonna What do you think's gonna happen with this?
1: Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, you know, just put John on the iron throne and, uh, that'll solve everything.
0: (laughs) I don't know. You know what? I don't really know either because I have to say that Sansa continues to kind of be a, a voice of reason about like the troops getting fed and how can we, you know, they're kind of arguing about who's the king, who's the queen. We did this, and what Sands is saying is, well, that does matter really, because the reason it matters is we have to function together, and if mm-hmm. we don't agree now on these types of things, we can't do the simple things like feed people, make sure that they're you know if somebody gets injured or just you know the basic logistics. Right of having so many people in and around Winterfell or having a big huge army, um, which I kind of liked. I thought that this time the way I think she's learning how to challenge John in this situation and trying to navigate Danny all of a sudden arriving and now she's the queen. But you can see the way that Sansa has earned the ear of the Northerners, and they really mm-hmm. trust her. And at this point, does she know that John is not? I mean, now we know that John knows, and we could talk about that, but I'm not sure if Sansa knew then that John really wasn't her brother, but her cousin.
1: I I assume that she doesn't know, but okay. I guess it's not entirely clear. You yeah. know, maybe she, maybe she does. I mean, Bran is there. That's why I'm wondering, has Bran been talking? Because everybody could know a lot of stuff. If, uh, if Bran's been, like that scene where uh, Arya asked John how he survived a knife in the heart. Um, and he said, oh, I didn't. So how did Arya come across that information you know unless brand told her or is that just like common knowledge within the the Winterfell community now it's it's
0: interesting isn't it because the brand thing i i that kind of that bothered me a little bit last season and the way that kind of selective knowledge is he's telling people but other things they don't know like for instance he could have cleared up the whole thing about when Tyrion stands up and says, the Lannister army is coming here, you know, isn't it possible that Bran could see that the, the conversation that happened with Jamie and Cersei. Mm-hmm. So he, I could, mean- he could just say, no, that's not true. You know, like it doesn't seem like he's being really used properly
1: yeah but then again like like you mentioned in a previous podcast the the needle the the of the compass maybe not is not pointing you know to that scene that conversation so he has the ability to know that information but is he aware of it you know right now
0: oh that's true that's true in the sense that he would kind of have to know that a conversation took place Right. And kind of look through his index and look through conversations at Jamie and Cersei, you know, like where that information particularly is. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I don't know. What did...
1: Oh, go ahead. To jump, just to kind of jump to the very end of the episode where we see Jamie and Bran together, that that information could be available very soon, you know, what the Lannisters are up to.
0: That's true. and And... There is also the case of in the episode, like the meta idea that in the episode itself, it does serve it better to have that information with Jamie himself there. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's something, maybe that's kind of a, maybe that answers my question in a way that Bran as the three eyed Raven kind of selectively gave him information maybe that was foreshadowing for the same way that Bran will give other people information, right? Like, Okay. You know what I mean? Like he knows it's better if they figure this one out. Or in Sam's case, he says, Sam, it's time. You must tell him now. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, um, so he kind of is parsing what he's telling people.
1: So he may know something and choose not to say something. Yeah. Or he may just not know something yet. I guess it's not clear. True. (laughs) (laughs) Yet again, they can go any number of directions.
0: (laughs) It is. Bran is kind of in a situation like this where it's a war because – What I envisioned is that at some point they'll basically have like a war room and maybe Sam and Bran are like intelligence and Mm -hmm. they just sit there and Sam is kind of like, well, we should be concentrating on the Night King. This is what I know about him. And then what do you know? And then they can kind of, you know what I mean? And then like, where is Cersei's army now? Where is this? You know? And kind of like do it out like that.
1: Yeah. Bran and Sam working off of each other. Absolutely. Could be a a powerful duo there. That'd be pretty cool. What did you think about the Sansa stuff? Because
0: I was very interested. And as you heard on the rewatch, I, I, I had more of an interest in her and I kind of understood her storyline better. What's been your feeling on Sansa in general And how did you feel of seeing her tonight still kind of being like, I don't just like, uh, she really seems to be this more stable one in the room thinking about like the boots on the ground stuff.
1: Yeah. I've grown to like Sansa a lot. Uh, I think you've seen her mature throughout this, the seasons from being basically a kid to, you know, a woman and someone who's, you know, one of the most mature people on the show in terms of, I guess, keeping it real, (laughs) you know, worrying about, you know, this, the day to day stuff. Uh, So I, I just, you know, but maybe that means that she doesn't see the big, the bigger picture as well. I'm not sure. That's but, You know uh, what? That's
0: true. They need to kind of, I guess it's like the same thing that we learned with Danny. There's never that one person who has all the answers. It's everybody, the pack survives. Right. There you go. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and Sansa serves her part. John, his, Arya, hers. That, that conversation that John and Arya had, where he was like, oh, now you're on Sansa's side. <laughs> and he tried to kind of laugh. And she was like, yo, I ain't laughing, homie. That that's our family, and you're not really part of it. Well, you kind of are, but you're just a cousin. You know, that, was, that, was, right. that was an interesting conversation.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, you know, and I, I love the Starks. I just don't know what what would Sansa's you know bigger plan be for this this whole White Walker scenario. Uh, I feel like Jon's totally focused on you know the White Walkers. Sans is totally focused on basically Winterfell, the North, the Northerners. um, And it's like, they're still opposed, you know, a little bit.
0: Yeah. I don't, it makes me uncomfortable.
1: I don't like seeing them. It it does. Yeah.
0: (laughs) We want them, we kind of want them to be happy. And when John and Arya saw each other again, that to me was like the closest bond
1: Mm -hmm. That That was great.
0: You know, because we didn't really get to see a lot of them together. They kind of separated pretty quickly. You know, we have much more of this show where they're separate than together. You talking about John and Arya? Well, just all the Starks. Yeah. Right? Like the Starks that I guess stayed together the longest were Catelyn and Rob.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. So they were kind of together for a while. We got to know them and and how their relationship worked, you know, but Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're still kind of learning as are they about their relationships. And that's, that's something to be interesting too, because you don't always know your siblings just because they're the Starks or whatever. doesn't mean they're automatically going to get along though. We as viewers may want that.
1: Yeah, and we've seen a lot of, you know, Ari and Sansa, mm-hmm. you know, contention, you know, John and Sansa contention a little bit. Uh, but I think we, or at least I, the, that scene I th- may have been the first episode of the first season or early on in the first season where he gives Needle to her. Yeah. Kind of shows you the bond that they had growing up up to that point. And the fact that she still has Needle all these years later, is is really cool and i was i i really loved that scene with uh, john and Arya coming together and it was very touching
0: it was but she was she was you know they they did the, it's like everybody it's getting i have to say it's getting a little old the thing where people act angry first and then they hug each other <laughs> you know, it would be good if for once people just run at each other, you know what I mean? Well, that's how he acted with Bran. He just jumped off there and ran to Bran. And I think you see yeah. a little bit of Rickon in that, you know, mm-hmm. having seen his other little brother die in front of him. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's tough. And with, with Arya, it made me think, Brett, is Arya kind of testing Jon in the same way that she tested
1: Sansa last season. That's an excellent point. And I'm sure she is, you know, was, that's kind of how she's trained to be now. Yeah.
0: That and, and she does not tell anybody, like everyone asks, where have you been? She's. Like, <laughs> I, thought maybe, <laughs> I thought maybe when she met Gendry, she was going to be like, yo, I'm a faceless man, homie, check it out. You know, finally like her friend,
1: but nope, nope. Exactly. Wait. And he was around when she first met Jockin. Yeah. Uh, him, so he'd understand. You can tell him.
0: Hey, that's a great point. Maybe. Oh, you know what? That's right. And wait, he knew too, because he was there when his face
1: changed. Wasn't he? They all escaped together. Uh, Yeah, he was there, but I'm not sure who all actually saw that happen. I would have to but, go
0: back, but I'm pretty sure that they were like, what was it? Hot Pie and Gendry were standing behind and maybe they didn't see that, but they knew Jockin though. Yes, they did. They definitely they did. knew it was him because he led them out of there. So mm-hmm. it's possible that that could be a way of Arya on a character level – Coming clean about that and having someone else to talk to about that. Because you can imagine, as a young girl, and she's been through all this, she's never even had the opportunity to say, You know, I went to this crazy place. <laughs> he had all these faces. <laughs> and he's like, You know, you can imagine they're like drinking, sitting around, you know, like then all of a sudden Ed Sheeran starts singing. It's like the land <laughs> of the faces. Oh, that'd be funny. All right. <laughs> it's getting late. Um, all right. Let's talk about. Something that I thought was great because I love this guy. We got to see more of Euron or Euron. I love him. Um, Mm -hmm. What did you think about that? Uh, You brought up a good point in the notes. Did Cersei invite Euron into her bed to give her the option to call him the baby's father? And I didn't even think it. I thought about it when he said that and he left but that that maybe that could happen. But I didn't think what you were thinking, which is that that's why she did
1: it. It kind of makes a lot of sense uh, when you think about how Jamie just totally betrayed her. Yeah. And possibly wants him dead for it. And, you know, I guess, you know, calling calling Jamie the father could still be a little uh, awkward for a lot of the population there, so... Now you have someone else that you can claim as the father, especially when, and
0: I don't know if they'll ever have the time to develop this in this season of the show, but if this was, you know, if we, if we weren't having bigger things to happen, it might, there's the thought that her and Jamie being together is very reminiscent or exactly the same as the Targaryen's. Yes, And that may not make the people she's trying to, you know, call to her banners or at least hold together after she defeats them or or protects them from the White Walkers or whatnot, whatever she thinks she's going to do, because she's happy that they broke through the wall, (laughs) which was hilarious, (laughs) Um, you know, that they, that could be an issue. So that's a good thought. And I just love Euron, man. I think he's
1: just, that's my man, dude. He's such he, a great actor, and it's so funny. He is, yeah, he is great, and he's clearly not loyal to anybody. Yeah. So if he if he uh, can convince the Golden Company to, you know, sail north with him, he he might do that. Or, I guess they're getting paid by Cersei, but he could take the fleet with him wherever he wants to go. So I I can see a, a scenario where he, you know, turns his back on Cersei. Definitely.
0: I could definitely see that. I wonder if he'll get wrapped up in um, uh, Yara and Theon – well, Theon rescuing Yara or whether he'll just brush it off, you know, like – Yeah, that's a good point. That was – that's a part of – that was part of like the kind of War of the Five Kings, like distraction plays, you know, and people getting distracted – um so that might be interesting because they're gonna go take the Iron Islands, which I thought yeah. was interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. And if Yar's gonna go do that, I mean he's an Euron is an Ironborn <laughs> through and through. So I could totally see him caring a whole lot more about the Iron Islands than, than he does, you know, someone else's war.
0: Yeah. Well I guess what well, I think it's the I think Yara was going to go back to Danny and Theon was going to go take the Iron Isle. I think they were going to kind of split up.
1: No, I think it's the other way around. Oh, is it? Yeah. Cause. Yara. Oh yeah, you're they- right. You're
0: absolutely right. Sorry.
1: I'm sorry. All right. Ask Theon if he wanted to go to Winterfell and fight for the Starks. You are
0: right. You are right. So-
1: Thank you, my friend. You're
0: absolutely right. And that's it. That sets up, Um, like Yara versus Euron, and that would be a good thing for her to take him out, and we'd all cheer for that, and that makes sense. Yes. You know? So it could be that Euron's not around too long. But I like the idea that Cersei – Cersei didn't do too much in this episode. No, she didn't. That was kind of it. She finds out about the wall, the Kyburn thing happens – um, really o- the only other King's Landing stuff we have. Oh, Braun. Let's talk about Braun. Okay. He, what do you think? I said on Twitter, I think he's probably going to get there, see Jamie and ta- uh, Tyrion, walk up to him and go, you know, your sister sent me out here to kill both of you. You're willing to give me more gold than her? <laughs> you know, like, I just do not think this is going anywhere, dude. <laughs> like, this is just... Yeah, that's,
1: that was... A little weird, yeah. apparently, there's a wagon full of gold waiting for him out, outside, so just and take he's, it. <laughs> he's supposed to take that as payment to go and kill Tyrion and Jamie. I obviously don't see that happening. Yeah, it makes me wonder if she actually does want Jamie dead. Well, she had her opportunity in in the room at the end of last season with the mountain right there, yep, in between him and the door. And she let him walk away. So was that just a moment of weakness on her part, not being able to see that happen in front of her? I mean,
0: I think I think it was. I think that because it does not it didn't in any way um help her plans. Jamie can go back and tell him everything. And she knows that, mm-hmm. you know? So
1: I the I mean, way it, she kind of followed him, almost followed him out the room.
0: Yeah, it was, was like, it's all weird. And and the way you said it, and I don't know if you meant it like this, it was just your tone of voice, Brett. <laughs> is there something else going on? Is she really sending Bronn to go kill Jamie and Tyrion? Or is there something in the, I mean, you know, if this was like Westworld, we'd be saying like, is there like a uh, tracking device on Bronn? <laughs> 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 right. But I'm like, I'm just trying to think of, Cersei never does anything straightforward with anyone. So what's really happening here. And I can't really figure it out. The only thing that I can figure out is that I want to see Bronn and Jamie and Tyrion all having some drinks together.
1: I would love to see that. Um, I want now, now I'm thinking about, I wonder if it's a trap. Maybe she feels like Bronn betrayed her and, well why why go why jump through hoops to kill braun if you wanted to kill braun though maybe
0: someone 's following braun, maybe the mountain or yeah, is following braun w-
1: that would make a lot of sense if if she had someone follow braun
0: because braun now there is the point that she may have wanted to kill braun because he set up the initial meeting with Jamie, and she said to Jamie, "You should kill him immediately. He set up a meeting with the enemy, our brother who killed my son and our father." So right. she did at one point mention killing Bronn. And I think it was actually mentioned again. Like he said something like my sister or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it is, there's gotta be something else going on here because it's also a ruse. Cause I feel like writing wise, they'd be sitting there going, yeah, nobody's even going to think about it. Cause they all just want to see Bronn and Tyrion and Jamie together. <laughs> yep. Good point. <laughs> you know, um, Hey, you You put your cursor on the notes and we didn't talk about it. But I watched the opening credits with my mouth agape the entire time. I loved these new
1: credits. Oh, wow. they were amazing. I got to watch them again because I didn't even know what was happening until it was already happening.
0: <laughs> See, um- I noticed it as soon as it came on screen. I noticed that it was different, that they had cleaned it up. Um, it had a little bit more of a, I don't know how to explain the, it was clearer, but it seemed a little bit more digital, like what they do today to make things look kind of slicker. Uh-huh. It, it just had a cleaner shine to it when it first came up. And I was like, wait, this is different. And then I, and then as soon as they went through the wall, I was like, oh my God, they re- <laughs> they redid the whole credits. Yeah, but the fact that they just show those three places—it was oh man.
1: Well, yeah, the three places were well. First, they flew over uh Last Hearth. um Oh.
0: They went to Winterfell. Oh, I heard a little sound back there. <laughs>
1: oh, okay.
0: Oh no! Ooh, I thought that was great. That was our credits. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were like it flew over and then it was like ah <laughs> podcasting
1: people were keeping it in um what was the first place that they flew over last hearth hearth um the home of the umbers
0: oh that's right. okay you're right so they gave us a bit of a clue
1: yes because oh. the castle is the closest to uh castle black basically Nice. And that was the last scene. Mm-hmm. So, and then they flew in like, and then they went all the way into Winterfell. So that was, that was really cool. And down into
0: the crypts
1: too. Hmm. Yeah. That, that whole sequence was great. And then after Winterfell, they went to, was it King's Landing? Yep. Okay. Yeah. That was really great. All the way through to the throne room. And then it came back up. And it ended on the Iron Throne.
0: Yeah. I think. Yeah. They they like shot up, which I have. I should take a picture of it and put it on the t- t- Twitter. I got one of those McFarlane toys, um, Lego-like sets, and it's with Joffrey. And he's sitting on the Iron Throne. It's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Went, I got it from Toys R Us. R.I.P. Pour it out. <laughs> <laughs> but the – yeah, I loved it. And it just – you know what, man? It just like – it gave me such a good feeling as a fan and, you know, we put so much time into this show and the, with the podcast and I love doing it. Just, we just, we love so much of it. The fact the that the little
1: they, details, yeah. letting you know, they're going all in on this season. Yep. That's it, man. Yeah,
0: It was like right away. There was no cold open. It was the first season mm-hmm. that there was not a cold open. I believe, no, actually season two, I think didn't
1: have a cold open two or three. They skipped one, but this did not have a cold open. The season six did not. But then later in the season, you had the cold open with the, the Hound episode. So good call. every season has had, I think, one cold open.
0: Okay. And they didn't. But the credits, I had a big, my mouth was, and I was, it was like joy and disbelief. Like, I can't believe they put this much, like, because they did that behind the scenes of how they did it. Like it took so much, you know, and then they going to just trash all of it and do a totally new credits and it everything looks different and uh lml lucifer means Lightbringers had a thing on twitter he said that they actually added like the comet at a certain point it goes past and you can kind of like see the comet in the sky which i think is really cool
1: the comet to the opening sequence yeah there? yeah oh wow i didn't notice that yeah check it out on the twitter baby that's where it's at Red comet, like we saw in season two, yeah, that disappeared. Yep. Mm. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Let's let's see. We got a lot more to talk about, man. Okay. Now, one point that I've already seen: some people are really into it, or they're not. What did you think of John riding the dragon?
1: Uh, it worked for me, actually. Um, something I thought about, you know, thinking about the show. But, and it always seemed kind of cheesy in my head, <laughs> Yeah. but I think the way they did it, they kind of pulled it off.
0: Yeah. I, I liked it. I mean, I said to my wife, you know, riding a dragon is kind of silly. Um, mm-hmm. No matter how you look, unless you're really big, because you're going to look like a little tiny thing on a dragon. You're not really good. Even if you had like a nice saddle, it might, I'm still surprised that Danny hasn't had a saddle made or like Tyrion, you know, Tyrion made that saddle for Bran. I thought that was kind of foreshadowing of Tyrion making a saddle for her. Oh yeah. But I guess Uh you don't put saddles on a dragon. Probably book reader person is like their eyes are like a flame right now. You don't put a (laughs) saddle on a dragon. Don't put baby in a corner.
1: (laughs) Um, And she. And she was giving him no help at all about how to ride. She's like he's like, What do I hold on to? Anything you can do, you can.
0: Yeah. Okay. It was like here. <laughs> I know, man. It was like his king insurance was not covering that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like that that's the guy you're counting on here, and you're just letting him jump up onto a dragon. Like, mm-hmm. put a little thought into it, Danny, or at least, you know well, he already rode with her. Well, actually a bunch of them did. Um He did not. Oh, that's right. You're right. You're right. Oh, that's right. He has, was there another scene where he gets on with her? I thought I, in my head, maybe not.
1: There's the scene where he first met it, uh, met one and kind of touched his nose. That's true. Okay. But aside from that, we haven't actually seen him on one. Maybe he wrote, did end up riding one from the wall back to wherever, like off camera, but we haven't actually seen it.
0: Oh, that's true. That Okay, you're right. That's what I was inferring. Yeah, he did, because he had to go from where they met up with him, right, after Benjen, to the ship. Right. So there was a time where he – so he technically had been on a dragon well, before. But
1: although he, that ship was at Eastwatch by the sea, so it's possible that hmm. the ship was right there. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they could have just hoofed that one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's,
0: like, no, she's like, look, fellas, the dragon only does two miles or more, okay? Or, you know, if it's anything less, you're walking, all right? <laughs> you know how much... I got to give this thing 15 goats to go 10 miles. You think I'm wasting <laughs> it on you? Um, that would be pretty funny. But I liked it. I thought it was... uh, The CGI was a little spotty. I'm going to say it. Um, It may have been... What I was watching it on, um, I mean, I watch on on DirecTV, on the DVR. It might look a little bit better through HBO Go now. It's crazy how now streaming actually can look better what's <laughs> on your D? But it's true. It's true, you know. Um, <sighs> and uh, I'm watching it through the Xbox One, so it comes through really clean. And, but I thought it was a little awkward. Um, it was fun, though. When they did the dive, I was into it. Um, yeah. You know – I, I I felt it when they kissed, and when they had, and when he, like the dragon was looking at him. <laughs>
1: yeah, that and was funny.
0: It was cute, and I like that. I like that they had time for that in this episode. I was happy that it wasn't like they, you know, they were going over a hill, and we don't know where they are or how much distance they can cover. And I thought maybe they're gonna like see the the White Walkers or something. You know, they're gonna see the Army of the Dead or something here. <laughs> For. What's that?
1: That's what I was hoping for. Yeah. See, I was hoping
0: for it, but then mm-hmm. I wasn't, Brett. When they didn't, I was like, okay, good. Mm-hmm. Now they can no, have, I agree with you. you know, a moment here where we see them in love, or we yeah. see John become comfortable with the dragon or this experience. And that's what we saw, you know. Oh, we could stay here forever, a thousand years. You know, I thought that was. I, I like that stuff and I and I I,
1: I liked it. I liked it too. Uh, it's good to see little moments between them like that, that. I feel like they've only known each other for 15 minutes. Yeah. So when when you can show that they're actually in love with each other, uh, I think that helps. And you know what? I mean, I don't
0: want to say that you ha- like you totally need that because you're a married man, Brett. When when you you know, I would say when you meet someone, you could be into them. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't need like 50 scenes of them hanging out reading the New York Times on a Sunday morning making avocado toast, you know? They, you can,
1: not, maybe not 50, but you know, one or two It's kind of nice.
0: Right? I mean, for me, I felt like they did a really good job of it last season, especially with the Dragon Pit scene. I I thought that they really connected and mm-hmm. you know when she said I can't get pregnant, and he was like, "Oh, you don't believe her." Like it just showed like John feels he can kind of let his guard down around her, mm-hmm. and that.
1: Oh, go ahead. The whole the whole scene where you know she lost Viserion, uh and then thought she lost John and got John back, and that mm-hmm. that whole emotional time that they had to kind of get through it together, I think is you know. The, that's apt to uh, make a connection when you're dealing with something that emotional. Exactly, dude.
0: It's exactly when you go Mm. trauma makes connection, right. Mm -hmm. And drama. And that's why some people like a lot of drama in their relationships because they think it makes it like, you know, better or something. Right. I'm not, I'm I'm not a fan of that, but it's true. You see it. Right. And it's, but Mm -hmm. it's true that, You know, people who get into you know you 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 met someone at like the scene of an accident or something. You know, like people connect,
1: right? You know, yep.
0: I mean, I'm not telling you all to go do a crash here, but uh, the original (laughs) crash, the Cronenberg crash. (laughs) (laughs) You you remember what I'm talking about, right?
1: I'm not sure what you're talking about. (laughs)
0: Cronenberg did a movie where people get off on crashing (laughs) in cars. You know. Yeah, dude, it's the uh, weirdest movie ever. They like get in car crashes on purpose because it turns them on.
1: I Somehow I missed this.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> it's out there, baby. I think it was Cronenberg that did it. I think it was his kind of foray into, into more drama. It didn't have like a sci-fi. That was the weird – I think it was him. But anyway, um, back to Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> um, with all that stuff, and me saying that John feels more comfortable with Danny. Now that he has found out that that's his aunt and that he is mm-hmm. the true king. And as Sam says, which I lo- I really, really, really appreciate. I almost felt like I was watching a little better call Saul stuff, emotional level, which this show normally does not even approach, you know, where mm-hmm. Sam said, you bent the knee for her for the good of the people. Will she do the same for you? I thought that was interesting because all we've ever heard from Danny, her entire existence as soon. Well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, we had a lot of rough parts before we got to the call Drogo and she kind of found herself, and her damn brother was dead, but um, is, you know, I'm the breaker of train chains. I'm the ruler. I'm the queen.
1: I'm the rightful heir. Yeah,
0: and now so, and and the thing is, I actually was saying this to uh, my wife earlier. If she believes that she is the rightful heir, right? Mm-hmm. Her legitimacy is the exact same as John's.
1: Yes. So it is. She can't, she can't really it, question it, you know. In fact, it's lesser than John's at yeah. this point.
0: Yeah. So it's like she can't be like, no, he's not, because my brother, I mean my fa his grandfather, my father. Oh wait, uh oh, I screwed up. He's the king.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, that'll be interesting. Uh, I, I really oh go ahead. I really liked how they handled that scene though, as you were saying, between uh Sam and John and John's reaction. It was it was a tough process for him. You could tell. Um, and I also want to, I'm curious when he found out that basically his, his father, who he beloved so much and he basically lives to be Ned Stark's son. Yeah. He finds out that Ned Stark has been lying to him his entire life. Whereas a little bit earlier, he basically risked everything in the dragon pit in order to make sure he told the truth to his enemies.
0: Mm, That's it. You know what, Brett? Yeah. I hadn't thought of that, that that's so tied. It's similar to when he died and he gave up his, um, gave up the night's watch. Mm -hmm. Will this, Kind of realization because in 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 a sense, this is a death for John. this is a death of self he is no longer the self that he has always believed he was right yes. this is a secondary death that happens in the crypts of that's really like that's great metaphors there he finds out in front of his you know supposed <laughs> father's grave he dies he this his starkness his connection that he feels dies. Because he mm-hmm. believes in some of that stuff, he has to see himself really more as a Targaryen, right? Because that's kind of how it's passed on through the man.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, if he—that's what Ned believes. He's going to send. Yeah, um, it's a it's a yeah. real
0: interesting dichotomy, and in that he is now going to have to question everything he believes his honor his oaths and and he has given false oath right he he accepted being the king when he wasn't really even a stark you know there's a lot of weird that oath and lineage stuff is going to mm-hmm. affect him in particular even though he was saying it doesn't matter it really does matter to him that's interesting too in this episode he goes from none of that matters to oh my god you know well when it happens to you john it does matter
1: and his first reaction was this is treason to daenerys great that's the first thing that he thought of
0: yep yep ned stark the ned stark in him Uh, that Mm -hmm. like it's like he can't even help it he's still tied to it and um you know, and also John is someone who never wanted. He even said in that conversation, right? I didn't want to be king. He said. He said it to uh, Sansa.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't want to be king. He said it multiple times.
0: Yeah, and now he doesn't really have a choice. And I don't know how Danny's going to take it. That puts her in a situation where she thinks she's always been ruling, and now she's not. I thought. I, I you know. I, well, I, if if she accepts this. You know, or was there a little bit of foreshadowing there in the old man conversation that varies Davos, and Tyrion have where they talk about them kind of ruling together equally?
1: Yes, that, that, that was an interesting conversation too. Um that's that's definitely a, a viable conclusion. <laughs> Just having both be ruling the seven kingdoms together.
0: Yeah. And it makes sense too. I like the way there, when Ken and I were talking, we are talking about, you know, is there a possibility of this show really them formulating some sort of type of representational democracy or where the people really do have a say, where the, the wheel really is broken. And one mm-hmm. of the things that has always been a hypocrisy with Danny is that she wants to break every wheel, but the one that makes her queen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? So guess what, Danny, just like John's going to have to swallow it in a sense and understand who he really is, whether he mm-hmm. decides that means being King or not, because he also has, and we also have in this story uh, what's what was his name? Amon Targaryen, who was the maester at the uh, Castle Black, right? Yes. Who refused to be king. Mm-hmm. And John, he had that conversation with John that he gave it up. Yeah. Was that foreshadowing that John? I mean, he's already done it for Daenerys. Will he do it again? Like she gives it up and then he gives it up. They all give it up. Nobody's king. Nobody's queen.
1: I'm sorry, Axel. You you just cut out. Hello? Oh, can see, you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me now, Brett?
1: Okay. You just came back. Okay.
0: All right. See, so you didn't want to hear that part when I said nobody's <laughs> king and nobody's queen. Brett's like, uh-uh. <laughs> I can't even hear you. <laughs> Your mic turned off, Axel.
1: <laughs> there's got to be an Iron Throne.
0: Yeah, there's got to be. We have to – somebody has to sit on the throne. The damn tra- – the, the thi- all of the marketing says for the throne. <laughs> <laughs> the show is called game of thrones um all right taking a little break from brett this is a great initial reaction i'm so happy to have brett here but i do want to tell you about cufflinks.com head over to cufflinks.com slash dvr and you can use our own personal code dvr20 to get 20 percent off your order at all times No minimum purchase required, baby. That's right. DVR20 at cufflinks.com. And every week on our live fan call-in on Monday, if you call, you will be entered into a chance to win a hand of the queen or hand of the king pin from cufflinks.com. So go to cufflinks.com. Enhance your style when you walk out in the morning. Feel good about yourself. Wear it, baby. Cufflinks.com. Go there today. Now back to Brett. Before we move on to some other things, I just wanted to interject that I was so. The most surprising thing of the entire episode for me was Sam's reaction.
1: And he totally sold it. Uh, to finding out about his father and brother?
0: Yeah. That really yeah. surprised me. That I mean, he. Yeah.
1: Was, oh, that was great.
0: Yeah. He, he was still good to Danny yes my queen and he was crying he was trying to be up, up front about it uh, like that I'm upset but I accept it to her but then to John you see that anger come out you know mm-hmm. and when he was making that noise in the crypt, trying to sneak around later on I thought to myself was he like kicking something was he like angry and that's why you know like he couldn't hold it in because I think his dad, he could have stomached, but it's his brother. He knew his brother was a good guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. That that was the real gut punch. It's really, uh, I, I didn't think
0: that he was going to get so angry. And I think that it affected the way he delivered that information to John. And it was kind of it was something that i've talked about is i like when characters act emotionally or differently you know i don't think mm-hmm. people should always be the same at, written the same oh that's the happy character that no they have to have a diversity and sam showed that here because normally an information as groundbreaking as hey by the way you're the king wouldn't be, wouldn't be preceded by Sam so strongly interjecting his own emotionality into it about whether Danny, you know, he really made it more about what Danny was going to do.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I love that too. And, uh, it's so easy to forget that Sam is okay. Sam is Randall's son. He's Dickon's brother. He's not just this, the awkward guy that we met at castle black, you know, he, he has a father and a brother who are just basically murdered and that's obviously going to affect him. So they, they worked that in very well. I felt like.
0: Yeah. And I was, I also liked in this scene, in the scene when brand was like, yo, this ain't important in the very beginning when he was like, we got to talk about the White walkers that Danny didn't wait. There wasn't like this thing. Oh, when Sam going to find out she came right out and said, that she killed them,
1: mm-hmm. which I, is more than the uh, archmaester could say at the citadel. <laughs> yeah, <Like> that.
0: <laughs> that's true. Oh, I forgot that scene when they all knew about it. You're right. Well, they, they knew.
1: Yeah, everybody knew about it except Sam. <laughs> uh,
0: well, he, I guess they didn't. He didn't give him much of a chance to tell him. They kind of skedaddled pretty quickly after that. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. And that was cool that he got to see Jorah again. And what's, was the purpose of, because there has been some talk in the theory world um, in connection with my thought too, that I think Kyburn is going to have some kind of like magical means of messing with the white walkers and the dead. And he's been researching that, that, the grayscale could also play a part. I th- I read somewhere there was someone who said is it possible that the White Walkers could be susceptible to grayscale in some way that that could be kind of like the antithesis of them, you know?
1: As as a uh, a f- a fire related illness yeah. that would kill the you know the cold zombies or whatever. Exactly. I could see, I could see something like that. Yeah. Yep.
0: Because um, I had at one point thought there might be like a stoneman army that fights on the side of the fire that the red priestesses have gathered together and they've learned how to control <laughs> them. Um, uh-huh. That would but, be uh, cool. That would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Um, maybe they'll have elephants. Uh, <laughs> but I just bring it up because, you know, Jorah was there. And they kind of talk about that. And she mentions to Sam, oh, she um Daenerys then gains the knowledge that Sam is a person who who is of the Maesterly ways. He's now mm-hmm. he's now entered her circle as someone she knows she could ask information of. Mm-hmm. And I like that because we want the group to kind of, you know, we want we want the war room to start being built here.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And Sam is not a fighter, but he's a reader. Yeah. So utilize him.
0: All right, man. So we got, let's see, we got a couple things uh, that we didn't hit on the notes. You had, where's ghost.
1: <laughs> well, maybe they were saving some of that CGI budget that you mentioned earlier for uh, us actually seeing ghost at some point in this season. That would yeah. be nice. Yeah,
0: I think so. And I said this spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen lost. If this show ends with John lying down, looking up at the sky, and then Ghost lays down next to him, uh, yeah, uh, goodbye. I quit podcasting then. <laughs> <laughs> Completely, all the shows because I just couldn't take it. I would be crying my eyes out, and I I can't. Uh, the dog stuff gets me, man. Um, you yeah. mentioned you mentioned in the notes here, which I want to mention too the beginning scene of the Unsullied coming into Winterfell and that kid climbing up. It's very reminiscent of Arya and Bran when the Lannisters arrived.
1: Yes. Right. That was really cool. That, that took me all the way back, man. That was great, dude. There was so much of that um,
0: in that scene. And even when Jamie finally arrives And he kind of looks in the courtyard of Winterfell there, and you Mm -hmm. can almost see in his eyes scenes from the first couple episodes playing out. Yep. Yep. I love that, man. I love how they bring it around like that. And also the episode in itself starts with that kid climbing and ends with Jamie and Bran finally Mm -hmm. seeing each other again.
1: Yep. Do
0: you think that's the old friend he was waiting for?
1: Yes, I absolutely do. When he, yeah. When he said, when Sam asked him what he's doing, he said, waiting for an old friend. And at the time I thought, well, is he talking about Sam. Mm, let me tuck that away. Cause he may be talking about somebody else. And then Jamie shows up at the end. So I think brand has some important business with Jamie.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder, is that business to just say to him in a way, because I think in brand's weird way, he'll just say like, Hey, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be the three eyed Raven.
1: Like, don't sweat <laughs> well, it. Right. Well, it's got to be more than that because t- time is very valuable and brand is willing to just wait around for Jamie to show up. I agree. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. What mm-hmm. else is – is it that is it that he wants to
0: confirm the information that the Lannister army isn't coming? Is that what's important? But Bran seems to have – when Bran talks, it's a little bit more important than that. It's like, hey, by the way, blah, blah, blah. You know, like maybe it has – I don't know. It just makes me think, does it have something to do with the Mad King or something that happened in the past? So much of what Bran does is the past and what happened there. I don't know. I just mm-hmm. wonder why – is it, it could be that it's just the connection. I mean, we, we could be getting too into it here. It could be, but it could be something
1: we're just not even thinking about.
0: Yeah, yeah that's true. I liked it though. And I thought that the way that Jamie reacted to him shows that I think it's safe to say that Jamie really, like, we're not going to see him like go back to Cersei this season. Cause that was a very emotional he seems to have kind of become the fu- kind of almost final version of Jamie.
1: I agree. And this, this might be the end of like Jamie's redemption arc. Yeah. Because ever since he pushed brand out the window, I've, I've been waiting for him to like totally redeem himself for that act. And it, I think we may be getting there finally. Cause yeah, no. he's, he's obviously proven himself to be a good guy.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking about. That that it's like it 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 comes full circle. Um you mentioned Arya's reactions as the people are coming in and I thought that that was great too. It it gave us that birds-eye view like we were part of the people. Mhm. You know? And I think that that whole opening This show gets a lot of flack now for being all about the spectacle and blah, blah, blah. And this episode shows you that they're willing to take it slower, show you what's happening, make you – remind you that there's other people in this world, that the regular people are affected the way they ran away from the dragon and were kind of scowling at Daenerys and – You know, it it just showed you, it it was foreshadowing for what occurred with Lady Mormont, but it was also Mm -hmm. a way for us as an audience to feel the idea and the power of being a common person with such amazing stuff happening right now.
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely. You know? Do dragons solve all problems? (laughs) (laughs) Scouring denial. And then they see the dragons, like, oh, wow, okay, okay, I will behave. (laughs) Yeah, she does,
0: those dragons too. And and it's, but there's a little something there when you just see the two of them, you're still looking for the third one, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, you are.
0: So it's like every time you see those dragons, you're now reminded that the Night King has one too.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Every time they say, and she has two dragons by her side. I'm always thinking, well, she used to have three. Yep.
0: Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Um, you mentioned the dragons don't like cold. And I thought that that was interesting too, not only because, you know, um, oh, by the way, can I just say Danny's reaction to finding out that her dragon is now a white was not really what I thought it was going to, it was like very muted. She was just like, huh and then they just went to a next scene.
1: Yeah. You know, I didn't even, I, I wasn't even paying attention. I got to see that again, but you would think that would be pretty serious news.
0: Yeah. No brand just says they've broken down the wall. They've taken one of your dragons and turned them blah, blah, blah. And then Danny with that jacket was beautiful too, with the little red inlay on it. I loved it. And um, and I have a point about that later, too, when I talk about the Ice Queen, because I got to talk about the Ice Queen. Um, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it was just uh, – it was very muted. She – it didn't – and she didn't even talk about it later with John. I thought they might – I thought when they went out there, she might look at the dragons and say, oh, my poor
1: – who is it? Viserys? Viserys? Viserion. 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 Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, it could be something that maybe she has to see it before she can actually believe it or react to it properly or something. Yeah.
0: And that's going to be quite a sight too.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, I'm getting choked can up. I, can I go back real quick? Sure. To, uh, how they focused on Aria's reactions to, to all the people coming in. Yep. Who's the actress that plays Aria Macy Williams Yep. or. Okay just her her facial acting was so fantastic in in that scene because you you saw you know john and daenerys come in and her face when she looked at daenerys and then her face when she looked at john she still cracked a smile and she kind of had to hold herself from like just basically jumping out and giving him a hug and then um she kind of frowned a little bit, I think when she saw the Hound, but then she saw Gendry and smiled the whole, that whole sequence I thought was just effective storytelling. The, and great acting on her part.
0: It was, I loved it, but I was disappointed about the Hound stuff, man.
1: Yeah, I I was too. Um, You know, maybe, she did leave him to die, so that's. <laughs> I that's guess like I don't want.
0: I, I know I don't want to accept it. it. Yeah, but yeah, it's like I wanted. They had that first when they had their like their actual meeting. Meeting there with Gendry, I thought that when he he kind of smiled and walked away, and that was their way. You know, that was their mm-hmm. way when they were together. But I thought they we might see more of. Hey, we're on the same team. And I think that's Mm-mm. something we have to accept, which is that even though we want everyone to join together and be like, let's get the White Walkers and they know that the White Walkers are coming, they're still human and they still have emotions and it's still hard to be in a room with a person that killed your brother and father or a person who really you don't know if they like you or not. You know what I mean? Like it's still difficult to get along. <clears throat> yeah. Definitely. It's just, it's, and it, and I think that that's good storytelling. I don't think Mm -hmm. that they're spinning wheels with this stuff until they get to a fight. I actually think I'm, the more I think about this episode, the more I appreciate it and like it. And the more I think it's really setting a fantastic tone for this season and telling us what's important. And in the end, what really is important is not a big battle in Ice Dragons. It's the characters that we've come to know and love.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree.
0: You know, so if you ask me, would have I rather a 10-minute, you know, White Walker scene with battles and stuff go ravaging through the north or the scene with Jon and Danny, or the scene with the Hound and
1: Arya, I would choose the scene – With the characters. Tyrion and Davos. I want to see more of them together. Oh, yeah. That's (laughs) great. Because
0: Davos seems to really
1: love him. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right? Like, every time Tyrion says something, they flash to Davos. And you think, for the first time, I thought he was going to kind of like be like, whatever. But he's not. He's like soaking in and he's really enjoying. It's kind of like bringing back that banter he had with Stannis. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think Davos really is like, he's just the kind of dude who likes chilling, you know what I mean? And like talking with his friends and I, I don't know, I'm a, I love Davos and I think Liam Cunning, I think the guy's such a great actor. He has, he, he reacts so well to dialogue and to the situation and what's, and he, to me in my rewatch, he just sold John coming back to life. That was all him. Like it was all them yeah.
1: that did it. Yeah, that, that was a great scene. It was great.
0: Um, all right. Well, I think the only thing we really didn't kind of dive into, and like I said, we're going to do like 25 more episodes this uh, week. But you had mentioned the arrangement of the corpses and the body parts. And that kind of, let's talk, we want to talk a little, what were your impressions of that last scene? First of all, I'm so glad that Beric and Tormund are still alive because I love them both.
1: Yes, that was great. And I wasn't, I wasn't even sure where they were. Maybe we weren't supposed to know exactly where they were when they first uh, appeared on screen. But I guess that's the last hearth. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty chill, pretty chilling. I gotta say, the way they arranged the body parts on the wall in a particular configuration. I mean, they're bringing back that that symbol. Um, that we've seen in the past. I think at one point it was like horse horse body parts that mm-hmm. they arranged a certain way and corpses. Yep. And we they saw did it again in, here.
0: We saw it in the uh, original cold open of the whole show. The first episode, mm-hmm. we saw it at the fist of the first men. Um, mm-hmm. we saw it when we saw it at the children's kind of where they turned, The Night King.
1: Yes. That symbol
0: is present from above and in other areas. And Um, on the cave walls. Yep. On the cave walls. Good one. Mm -hmm. And someone mentioned this on Twitter and I don't want to go crazy here on the, on the ice queen thing, but I always have one dumb theory that I get into, uh, which is Danny becoming the ice queen is um, her. If you take her sigil and you put it right next to that, The three dragons, it looks very similar. Yes. When you put them together. And also, if you look at that jacket she was wearing, and I don't normally, I don't normally um, associate things like clothing and such with plot points because you just never know production wise how things are done. And it could just Mm -hmm. be a jacket that looked good. But Mm – the ribbing of that jacket is so reminiscent of the ribbing on the skin of the White Walkers that when you look at them together, and I put it up on the Twitter, follow us at Podcast Winterfell, it looks really similar. Now, I'm probably totally wrong, <laughs> and this is stupid, and, and and I know Matt is at home going, Axel with the damn theories again, Axel. Uh. I won't say I'm right if I get it right, Matt, I promise, buddy. Um, but I think it's just kind of fun because it's my little thing, but, um,
1: I, I think it's a great theory. Thank you. No, I, I, I don't think it's stupid. See? I think it's, um, I, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, it's, it would be tough to see if that came to fruition, but I, I mean, that that would be a hell of a, uh, story turning point there.
0: Well, you know, I was on the phone earlier with my man, a dash hustler who, you know, we did leftovers podcast last scene, the leftovers, and actually we're going to be doing the Watchmen. So after game of Thrones is over next fall or whenever the Watchmen comes out on HBO, we're going to be covering it. So look for that. But we were talking about how really the last person to die on the show of great importance was Tywin. You mean up until
1: like Littlefinger, or
0: I don't consider Littlefinger. I don't. No? I I just I I, okay. I guess I would. I guess maybe, but I mean like a mage like Ned. Ned was the star. Like he was the star of the show, kind of. You know what I mean? Like they. And then when they killed, I think Catelyn and Rob. I guess Littlefinger kind of counts, but I feel like maybe the dragon that was huge. But I yeah, think the dragon. like you know Danny Tyrion John. Sansa Arya um you know you kind of have your top five other people you know I don't know who else you can add to that list Marjorie
1: uh, and Olena, I guess maybe Yeah, they
0: were pretty big there but I think Tywin was kind of like you know he had such a presence on the show he was in it a lot mm-hmm. you know so I don't know maybe they'll do that this season I don't know I don't know. We'll see. I'm not going to spend too much time arguing about that because I think it's just fun. And I just think it would be cool because it throws a whole wrench into the fire and ice. But regardless, they do keep on leaving this symbol. And we know that it connects to the origin here of the Night King. Is that the signal that he's sending? You know, like, hey.
1: Yeah. Well, he's definitely – left it as a signal for them to find. I mean, they, the the boy, I guess that's Ned Umber. Yeah. Who, uh, and when, And you said earlier that you didn't think there were any deaths in the show, but at least there was one. There was little Ned Umber there. <laughs> <laughs> Got it pretty good. Um, nailed him to the wall.
0: He's double dead because he's dead, <laughs> turned into a white walker and then killed.
1: Died, yeah. Or a white. Right, yeah. So they could have you know, retained him as a white in his army, but no, they decided to just leave a message instead with, Mm. with that kid.
0: So. Which shows intelligence and shows purpose and shows a communication, right? Yeah. It does. And is it just that, Hey, like I was turned into this monster by these people. Is this what it's trying to get to? Like the point is, I am looking for some sort of revenge or to right the wrong of this. I mean, we'll find out, but I like that they paid notice to it, right? Like Yes. It wasn't Absolutely. It wasn't like um you get what I'm saying, it wasn't like when they found it at the fist of the five men when they found it in the first episode where they were just like, "Oh, what's this? This is nuts." um torment i think either torment or Beric said like this is a symbol or something like that
1: mhm any time they show that the night king has intelligence yeah. it gets me excited that they're actually going to explain what his goal is you know what his motivation is yep definitely
0: and i i'm i'm i did that little uh i don't know if you got a chance to hear the patreon i was kind of getting into that i love that stuff man I I, I mean, whether they really get into what their purpose is or whether they save some of it for the prequel or whatever that we know that's Mm -hmm. coming about the long night, it's cool with me either way. But I love that they continue to not just show us destruction, but there's this magic and this kind of geeky myth arc stuff hidden inside of it. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes this show so awesome because – the chilling part was they're walking through and they show all those pools of blood, but there's no bodies. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) My wife says, where are all the bodies? And I said, you know where they are? And she's like, no, I said, they're part of the army of the dead now. And she was like, Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, there's no, there's going to just be destruction, but there's no bodies. That's a, that was effective. I like that. Yeah. That's cool, man. I dig it. One question I do have is this. Uh Um, And this is kind of a technical stupid question, but it did cross my mind is do they just, they just, so they cut off some of the guy's arms, then turn the rest of them into a white, but the arm stays unanimated so they can stick it up on the wall. I guess so. (laughs) There's like even more of a process involved here because if they just turn, if they just kill, if they like, they have to do it, you know, so imagine like they kill a bunch of guys, right? And then, and then, you know, the Night King's like, hey, you know, whatever, Johnny Walker, Night King, Night uh, Walker guy. Remember... Before you bring them back, chop off a couple arms so we can make the symbol on the wall, dude. And then he forgets, you know, (laughs) so then the Night King's like, God damn it. We need like 10 more. Can somebody find 10 guys and remember, cut off their arms first, then reanimate them. Right. Because if you want, we don't want reanimated arms on the wall.
1: So those arms were not coming back alive, were they? I don't think they
0: were. No, they were. They, and, they, and you could tell too, because the color of them, they had a, I mean, I could, maybe I'm just remembering this wrong, but to me, I just noticed it for a second because I was thinking, are they going to start moving around like the arm that Kyburn wanted to pick up and yeah. take home with them? Um, but right. they weren't, they were like, they had a reddish hue, you know, pink hue, like they were a little bloody a little bit, but I'll have to yes. watch it
1: again. I think we can safely deduce that if you cut off the arm before you bring him back, then the arm just stays. Yeah. yeah,
0: the arm. But they had to practice. Like, they did one incantation. It was like, no, it was too big. The arm came back. You know? <laughs> it was like a whole process <laughs> that they had to do. That's going to be a special feature. All right, we're getting silly. This has been great. Before we go, do you have anything else that you want to
1: talk about, Brett? I do have just one more question. Hit it. When Arya goes to... Gendry um, shows him that diagram and asks him if he can make it for could you you tell what that was was that just like a Uh, dragon dagger or was that it it looked like it you know
0: what it it, it looked like it was a tool of some sort it looked like it was came in two different parts I was trying to look at that too because I put you know I put together the Gundam model so Mm -hmm. whenever I see like,
1: <laughs> like it was a, like a diagram of how to put these two things together or something. Yeah.
0: So uh, the, Oh, okay. So was it like one part, the dragonglass and another, like a hilt
1: or a hand? Like, I just didn't know for sure. Cause she already has the Valyrian dagger, which yeah. to me was just as good as a dragonglass dagger, but maybe I'm wrong about that. True.
0: And uh, they went through the whole process of him saying for the 50th time, it's Valyrian steel.
1: Yeah. And he did not. I don't think Arya showed uh, John that uh, Valyrian dagger no. when they when they were talking about each other's swords and stuff, which I thought was a little strange. Mm. Maybe she's keeping that a secret for a reason, or maybe it's nothing.
0: Interesting, interesting. Yeah, that mm-hmm. dagger has so much significance. Now, um, I had a little uh, Twitter conversation with Kim Renfro from uh, Insider. Mm-hmm. And we, I was saying I thought the way he looked at that, I had a crazy theory that like Arya is going to use that to kill the Night King, that it's so special. And she had done an interview with Bran, the actor, not Bran. He was out of character. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's not that into it. Um, but uh, he said it was because she's going to kill Littlefinger with it. But I got to be honest with you. I don't trust what actors say. Because,
1: well, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it doesn't know. have to be Valyrian steel to kill little things, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dagger would do, yeah.
0: I, I don't, I, I think that I mean, the reason why it's not that I don't trust actors, I mean, like somebody's listening, oh, you know, like, no, I love actors, but the, an actor doesn't mm-hmm. need to know these things to play a part. Um uh AU Pacmule actually sent me something about Stannis doing an interview, the actor where he said he had no idea what was going on in the show the whole time.
1: Yeah, I did
0: hear that. And you know, you do the lines. So each per you can't in this cult, in this cultish, you know, uh super fandom world, we expect all of these actors to like have read everything and but this is their job. You know what I mean? So He could just say what happened in that season. So Mm -hmm. I'm not disputing her. She's awesome and go buy her new book. But I think that it's quite possible that that dagger will play another role and it's fun to theorize about it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Nothing
1: Uh, against actors, but just in general, I don't, I try not to trust (laughs) anything I see outside the actual, you know, 60 minutes of the television show. Okay.
0: I thought you were going to make fun of Heath Solo there for a second, Brad. <laughs> I was already laughing. He was like, Not that I don't trust actors, but everything Heath says on Wednesday is going to be bullshit.
1: <laughs> Not no, no, for y'all show on Wednesday. I'm all looking right. forward to that.
0: All right, man. So, once again, I'll just give you, I'll ask, this is your time. So, is there anything else you want to chat about?
1: Uh, I think we hit all the points that I wanted to make. Cool. Cool,
0: man. Me too. Well, everybody, this has been fun. Uh, we got a lot covered and uh, Brett, I appreciate you staying up real late because I know it's like two, three in the morning where you are. Um, <laughs> My
1: pleasure, Michael.
0: But this is gonna this is fun, and we're gonna hear you again definitely on Westworld Theory Cast. I've enjoyed having you. And it was fun for me, Brett, to have you on first because so much of this journey is about meeting people. And the community, and the way that we met was through this podcast Mm -hmm. and emails. And I was just like, Brett is so awesome. I got to have him on the show. And (laughs) oh, thank you. You know, here you are. And that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? We just all come together. And that's a great way to start off the season. And that's what we're going to be doing the whole season. Everybody remember tomorrow at eight o'clock. Uh, well, yeah, eight o'clock Eastern I'll be on with Justin. And I think there's like three other people. I think it's like, I don't remember who else it is. Uh, Johnny B crazy Mackenzie, I think, and Justin and me. And then at 10 o'clock on, we're going to YouTube. We're going to try to do it. DJ and I are working it out. We're going to try to do the talk shoe. Uh, or I should just start calling it the live fan call in on YouTube. So you don't even have to deal with talk shoe. You just call the phone number and you're on. That's going to be fun. We're going to have the uh, guest of the throne guys on too. And we can talk about Ned Umber. Um, that's going to <laughs> yeah. be fun. And He was uh, on my
1: list, by the
0: way. <laughs> oh, he was? No, no. I'm Oh, Okay, you. okay. See, I have to remain neutral. Everybody was like, Axel, why didn't you create a podcast Winterfell group? Well, the reason we didn't is because DJ and I are remaining neutral. Because if there's any questions, they're going to ask us. Okay. So they're going to say like, what do you guys think? So we're going to get hate mail. If I say, you know, well, (laughs) he did become a white first, you know, but okay. So don't try to send me any bribes yet. I'll provide that information for you on Wednesday show. (laughs) We'll see how this one goes first and then I'll set the bribe quotients. Um, (laughs) But uh, what else do we got? Um, I don't know. Subscribe Pandora. Thanks again. Thanks all those people for featuring us uh cufflinks.com of course we're going to be giving away a hand of the queen or hand of the king pin every week on the live fan call in and um i think that's all the stuff that i have oh become a patron laura thank you and if you want to hear the show ad free you want to get i drop tons of exclusive patreon pods that's my thing i like to just talk into a phone or sit down and record something and, uh, Brett will tell you, I love to read the emails and do stuff that people talk about. Um, oh, Hey Brett, that was the thing. You had a theory that I wanted to, I didn't talk about and I wanted to save. Didn't you,
1: you about- cut out again? Oh, okay. But-
0: you had a theory about babies and Danny's <laughs> baby and all that.
1: Yeah. Okay. This is the de- like the definition of tinfoil theory. But I just was thinking, okay, well, Cersei's pregnant, and there's a lot of speculation that maybe Daenerys is pregnant as well. And so what if they both uh, end up having the baby at the same time and place? And uh, let's see. Daenerys dies in childbirth, and Cersei gives birth to a dwarf who reminds her of Tyrion. So she decides to swap the babies and take the Targaryen baby as her own. And and then Jamie finds out about this and kills her. So
0: and kills her. And then the dwarf is raised as the new King because it's Danny and John's son.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. That actually wasn't a part of the theory, but that would make sense. But the very end of the theory was that both of these babies end up in an orphanage somewhere mixed up with a bunch of other orphans and lineage doesn't matter. So they're just raised like normal kids.
0: Oh, see you, you had the more, uh, you had the more democratic view there for the people. I like that one, but I do also (laughs) do like the baby growing up to be the King and Tyrion is the hand. Okay. (laughs) I like that. How about that? How about that? Cripples and bastards and broken things. There you go. I like it, baby. All right. Well, speaking of that, my next guest will be Cripples and Bastards and Broken Things man himself. Ken is going to be uh, coming on for episode two next Sunday. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm not going to go through the other stuff again. Podcast Winterfell. Email us. We want to hear what you have to say. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. I certainly enjoyed talking to you, Brett. Thank you again, buddy.
1: My pleasure, Axel. Anytime.
0: Peace out.